Today's reading is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 13. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Lovely to see everyone. I thought it'd be great to send us all into the recess, all of us at Westminster anyway, uh, considering issues that are central to our lives. So often we, being slightly flawed human beings, can obsess about things which are at best peripheral. And the summer is a good time to get back to core principles. The book of Hebrews is a very strong reminder that the Christian life is a journey, not a quick dash to the line, but a lifelong journey that we are called to complete. And this book tells us how to do that successfully. And especially verse two of chapter 12 encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, author and perfecter of our faith. I can remember being in a meeting about seven years ago with the head of a well-known Christian charity. And we were discussing how to respond to an attack on them by a national newspaper on a controversial issue. And we were discussing a biblical perspective and the discussion became quite animated about the scriptures and how they applied to that situation. And at which point the CEO of this charity, a very lovely man, very experienced man, allowed the following words to come out of his mouth. Let's face it, Gary, it's not all about Jesus. It was a showstopper. We all looked at each other and burst into laughter, including him. He had meant it in a perfectly coherent way in the context of our discussion, but the words when spoken out loud by any believer are absurd because, of course, it is all about Jesus. The Old Testament looks to the Messiah who would come from the line of Abraham through David, 
The New Testament is all about the life and teachings and actions of Jesus and his death and resurrection and the impact this had on his followers, leading to the building of the early Christian movement throughout the known world, the movement we call church. It's all about Jesus, his love, his sacrifice, his salvation. So we're on the right track, dear friends, as we head into the recess in considering this well-known verse, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And let's examine this for a few moments in true Tim Keller style under three headings. Of one, of what is Jesus the author? Two, how does he perfect my faith? Three, what happens when I fix my eyes on him? First then, of what is Jesus the author? Now, one of my computer passwords is the name of my favorite author. For me, it was a tricky toss up between Bernard Cornwall, who created the swashbuckling character of Richard Sharp, the rifleman in the Napoleonic Wars, on the one hand, and Lee Child, who created Jack Reacher, the former US military policeman who acts as a cross between a vigilante and a private detective on the other. And perhaps it says something about me that all of my literary heroes seem to dispense violence. But the password needed eight letters and Child only has five, so Cornwall got the nod. It was only later that I realized that Cornwall was not spelt like the county. It had an E, not an A. And I still get confused when the machine asks me to insert the sixth letter. So I can't remember which one I put in, but never mind. But the point of this story, of course, there is a point to this story, is it wasn't until <laughs> some years later, reading this verse in Hebrews 12 again, that I realized I committed a minor spiritual blunder. And I'm very sorry, Lord. Of course, Jesus is my favorite author. But of what is Jesus the author? Well, three things at least. Life itself, our faith, and our future. First of all, life itself. Genesis 1 makes it clear that the very universe, all matter, was created by and through Jesus. And the first book of John confirms it, verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Nothing was created except through him. Whether you believe in macroevolution or not, whether the process took 13 billion years or shorter, it doesn't matter. Jesus was the author of life itself. He was with God in the beginning, and through him, the word of God, all matter was created, including human beings. All that creativity, the propensity for love and goodness flows from him. The ability to choose, the need for relationships, a hunger after the father. He is the author of all life and he is the author hebrews tells us of our faith netflix and amazon are flooded with stories about what would have happened if history had been turned on its head and one of my favorites is the man in the high castle which deliberates over what america would have been like if the nazis and japan had won the war and it's thrilling stuff for those of you who've seen it but the reality is that did not happen the allies the allies won the war and the usa is as it is now but do you ever imagine what the world would be like, what your life would be like if Jesus had never come? If there had not been the opportunity in the past 2000 years of countless people to demonstrate his love and mercy and sacrifice, what would our planet be like? And what would my life be like? What would my life be like right now? My marriage, my family, my state of mind, if Jesus had never come. But he did come in history to show us what God is like and to fulfill 
those Old Testament prophecies and to die as a ransom for many. He came in history. His disciples saw the miracles, heard the teaching, although they did not fully understand it. They watched him die and they saw the empty tomb and they, and they spoke with him when he reappeared to them after his resurrection. And it transformed their lives and they were willing to die to share this tremendous news of salvation. They believed in him. He did come. It is true. And through his words and actions, he became the author of our faith. So our faith is not some vague hope or pie in the sky when we die. It's rooted in historical reality. It's rooted, rooted in Jesus. He is the author of our faith. And of course, it is our faith in him that is the key to our Christian life, not through striving or earning God's love, not through keeping the rules or being good, not even through attending church and belting out the hymns. I'm sorry, Mark, but I had to say that. It's by, but it's by faith. It's our faith in Christ that brings us to a right relationship with God, the relationship we were originally designed for. Did Abraham build great cities or preach great sermons or write great books? No, he simply believed God. And that faith opened the door to God's blessing. And so it is with us. He's the author of all life, the author of our faith, but also he's the author of our future. If you've placed your trust in him, dear friend, your destiny is assured. When your moldy old body dies and rots, your soul will spend eternity with Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth. You may have troubles in this world. You may all go swimmingly for you. You may be a genius or you may have learning difficulties. That doesn't matter half as much as where you will spend eternity. That is our faith and that is our assurance. He is the author of your destiny. But he's not just the author of our faith, we read, but he's also the perfecter. Not just the alpha, but the omega, the beginning and the end. But in what way does he perfect our faith? I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus in May 1979, I was so excited. And Jan and I sat up in bed for hours, singing choruses and talking about my new faith. She'd been a Christian for herself for several years and obviously had been faithfully praying for me. But I remember having this profound sense of joy, but also alongside it, a new sense of responsibility. But looking back, I knew nothing. Although I stopped swearing literally overnight, many of my old habits and ways continued. I did not suddenly become perfect, although some of you will be astonished to hear that. He has been improving me slowly over the ensuing 42 years, dealing with my ambition, my striving, my temper, my selfish obsession with myself, and many other faults. He has been making me more like Jesus. But how does he do it? When Jesus went back into heaven, he promised the disciples he would send another counselor, another comforter or advocate, and he did, the Holy Spirit. And the presence of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost transformed a group of nervous followers into men and women clothed with confidence and power from on high that enabled them to bear witness to Jesus throughout the world, changing it forever. The Holy Spirit can be part of our lives too, leading us, guiding us, challenging us, convicting us, and making us more like Jesus. So as we read God's word, as we pray, as we worship, our faith is being perfected because we are being changed from within, and he will complete the good work he has started in me. The Christian walk has never, was never designed to be static, 
It's a process, a journey, going from one degree of glory to another. We should be learning and changing and developing under his skillful, loving hand. People close to us should notice that we are slowly changing, becoming more patient and kinder, more generous, less grumpy. The author and perfecter, that is who he is. Three, three then, and finally, so how should we respond today? And here's our homework for the summer recess class. We should respond by fixing our eyes on him. And what happens when I do? Well, it's possible to imagine our life as a play on the stage with myself as the central character. I guess I spent most of my life doing that. But more and more I see now that if my life is a play, Jesus must be the central character, the star of the show. And I have at best a supporting role. How wonderful to be the best supporting actor. And when I give in the centrality in my life, my problems decrease. I sleep better. I gain a better perspective. I act more wisely. I make better decisions. I'm a kinder person. I think more about others. I'm more hopeful and positive. That's what happens when I fix my eyes on him. He brings out the best in me. Now, it's important, of course, to fix our eyes on Jesus as he really is, not some false impression that we have in our mind. I've got some lovely photographs of my wife and children uh, on the wall in front of my desk at Westminster, and I like looking at them. But what I discover when I get home each Wednesday or Thursday is that Jan is so much more than that photograph. She's a real person with all the warmth and vitality that a picture can never convey. And it's possible for us to have a false impression of Jesus, maybe an image from our childhood, maybe just a baby in the manger or someone in a Palestinian robe wearing sandals, perhaps a headmaster type figure waiting around the corner ready to smite us for any tiny indiscretion. That's not who he really is. He is full of love and humility and compassion. And Hebrews 1 tells us that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. When we fix our eyes on the real Jesus, we recognize his power, his holiness, his authority, his love, his sacrifice. But how do we make sure that we gaze upon the authentic Jesus and not some old fashioned photograph or out of date icon? And the answer, of course, and here we're heading smartly towards my final point. The answer, of course, is to plow ourselves into the scripture. Feast upon its word. Read the Gospels in the New Testament. Spend time in the Sermon on the Mount. Ponder the accounts of the crucifixion and resurrection. Read what people who knew him say about him in the letters written by John and Peter and James. Consider the divine insights of Paul, who started off persecuting Christians until he was gloriously converted. Read the historic account of the Acts of the Apostles and the energy of the early church. And don't even get me started on the Old Testament, so much of which points towards him. And let's read great chunks at a time and allow ourselves to get a flavour of who he is and what he represents. And I've learned over these years, there is no shortcut. If we want to know who Jesus is so we can fix our eyes on him, we have to soak ourselves in the scripture. And if you've not yet decided how to read the Bible over the summer, may I recommend reading the Gospel of Mark. That's the homework I set for the recess. 
the Gospel of Mark is a great action-packed read and it will help us all to fix our eyes on Jesus, his word and the Holy Spirit. That is how we advance. So now my time is done. Summer recess coming up. It's been a tough year to date for all of us. It's a good time for a reboot, a refocus. Time to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You see, my friends, it is all about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. As we approach a summer when most of us will have some downtime, I pray that we will learn to fix our eyes upon you and so be changed into a greater likeness of the Lord Jesus. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.